Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. I am Simon Evans and this is Headliners. Joining me tonight, two comedians with disturbingly youthful faces. We have Jonathan Cogan, known to his friends as The Kulk, I believe. Is that right? Uh, something like that, yeah. Yes. And Nick Dixon, who has no known nickname except Nick, I suppose, which precludes further nicknames. At school, it was just my surname said slightly aggressively. Ah, it was as the if north. it were two words. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. be a Dixon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we'll crack on with tomorrow's front pages straight away. We have a hell of a lot to get through. We have the Daily Mail with a unique, rather disturbing and upsetting story. How could they give my son to my deceitful neighbour? Mother's despair as social workers and courts let manipulative ex-murderer suspect take custody of her toddler with bogus foster deal they failed to check. The Daily Telegraph leads with trust, hence she may axe motorway speed limits and has mean things to say about smart motorways generally. Anyone who has been on a speed awareness course may well share her sentiments. On to the Independent next. Biggest squeeze in living standards for a century. Inflation to put three million more in poverty. Think tank warns. Had enough of tanks lately causing this thing, I think. A rather morbid title from The Guardian next. Children may die if families turn off heat, warn experts. And gigs could face retrial after jury is discharged. He looks there as if he is summoning all his mental powers to avoid that happening. The Financial Times says German factories halt output after Russia's alarming squeeze on gas. Who is sanctioning who exactly? A different direction of story from the Times next. Decline of traditional UK family revealed. Uh, and a picture of Boris there sporting a rather spiffy uh, stab vest. Uh, the uh, Trust vows no new taxes on last hustings as well. More hostages to fortune from the uh, heir apparent. This is from the Express. Resting Queen won't risk greeting new PM in London. They're speaking of her as if she was an out-of-work actress. A typically uncouth headline from the Daily Star. Seaman forgets to grease his shaft. How many innuendos can you get into a single headline? A 38 billion Royal Navy warship broke down because someone forgot to grease its huge propeller shaft. Shades of the uh, Indian mutiny there as well. Anyway, those are the front pages. We begin very shortly after this. No one noticed, I'm sure. We begin with the leading story from Thursday's Times and the decline of the traditional family, Jonathan. Yes, that's right. So a landmark study uh, finds that there's a big rise in lone parenting households. So nearly half of British children now grow up outside of the traditional two-parent household, according to a report published by the Children's Commissioner for England. So this is something um, that I think 
is going to have a lot of effect on uh, people and children growing up in these households. There does seem to be um, some correlation between negative uh, social traits being raised in a single parent household, mm -hmm. especially when that's just a single um, mother household, which is the majority of them. Mm -hmm. So it's 23% uh, of UK family houses are actually now headed by a single parent. And again, the vast majority... They haven't of these... changed it to lone parents significantly. That's just those are interchangeable terms, are they? Uh, I think I believe parent. so, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think they're the same okay. kind of thing. Yeah. And there does seem to be a cultural component to this, so different cultures do seem to have different statistics uh, to do with uh, whether they or not they have two-parent um, households or not. Um, but yeah, it does seem like less people. When you say different married. cultures, do you mean sort of ethnicities? Yes, talking? Right, yeah. yeah. What, what are the? Uh, um, what are they so them? it's looking like uh, the majority of, uh, say, Indian families and East Asian families have a higher two-parent household, whereas some yeah. Caribbean families seem to have a lower percentage yeah. of two-parent households. Um, and White British are in the middle somewhere, aren't they? Uh, yes, yeah. they're they're, uh, they're about the same. They're about the middle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a, this is a tendency, this is a trend that has been going on for some time, but that's quite, those are quite stark figures, I would say. Oh, it's imagine, increased quite a lot over the last 20 years. Yeah. Uh, I think it's doubled, actually, the single-parent households. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 44% of those born in 2000 would have spent some of their time up to age 17 outside of a traditional nuclear family compared to 21% of people born in 1970. Mm. So that's, yeah. the, that's the decline you're talking about. But yeah, it's this kind of thing I talk about all the time. It's the decline of the fact of war on marriage, mm. the increase of no-fault divorce, the decline of Christianity, which was, of course, the, the whole point behind marriage. So, and then we, we end up with this culture where the invention of Tinder would probably be the apotheosis of this trend yeah. if you had to plot it on a graph. And do we feel, I mean, there's no mention, I suppose, in the story itself of whether, this, uh, whether these absent fathers are, uh, whether they are more deadbeat or less so, whether they are being, you know, well, chased up for... Well, not, it's not mentioned in the story itself, but there does seem to be a real correlation between single parent, as I understand it, from single parent families and an increase in antisocial behaviour yeah. from especially young men who are raised in these families. Yeah, um, so they're not feeling the, uh, the the cooling, calming influence of a steady male presence yeah, in the household. Yeah, yeah, that, pretty much that, I think. And I suppose it can't be particularly helpful in terms of the housing crisis either, can it? Which it suggests that what would previously have been a house for, for, for one family is now a house for a family and another place for, a, for the... Presumably, the, the predominant like uh, split is that the woman is the single parent in most of these cases. But the vast but maybe majority, of them, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, certainly. Um, yeah, more people are sort of having children outside of wedlock, mm. not sticking together, not raising the kids with both parents, and I'm sure that's going to have quite. You a feel it's a, a war, Nick? Or do you think it's just absence of shame? Is that? Would that no, be I think more? it's really we just incentivize this behaviour. You think about it, the whole yeah. culture is incentivized. You just think about something like no fault divorce. What does that do? It says, and we've even made it even more lenient recently. Yeah. So that kind of behaviour just incentivizes it. We've incentivized the whims of the individual over the, the old idea of a sacrifice for the good of society. That's broadly what's happened. Well, that's a grim start. Let's see if it picks up in uh, the next story. Ch uh, Thursday's mirror and uh, a change in royal parliamentary traditions, Nick. Yeah, Queen will not travel to London to receive new Prime Minister next week. So essentially Boris will have to travel 500 miles and the new PM will have to travel 500 more. But uh, although, <laughs> ironically, claimers, if, the, yes. well, if the proclaimers <laughs> were going to do it, they'd have to travel less distance because it's, it's in Aberdeenshire because yes. they're going to have to go to Balmoral Castle in Scotland was what the I was going for. Proclaimers actually sounds like it could be a royal office. That might explain that strange name that I'd never understood oh, yeah. before. Yeah. Isn't that an old, it's an old sort of folk thing. Anyway, yes. who knows? The point is, they're gonna, the Queen is not well enough to do it at Buckingham Palace. No. So she's just uh, staying in Balmoral. She's 96, in case you didn't know. And she has what's described as episodic mobility issues. 
which is a sort of nice way of describing it. Yeah. And so, yeah, Boris is going to have to go. But then again, Boris has kind of been used to being hundreds of miles from Westminster lately, yes. hasn't he? So, and also, Balmoral, thinking about it, sounds like quite a good name for describing the kind of behaviour that got him kicked out of office in the first place. <laughs> doesn't think he's immoral, it's just sort of Balmoral. But uh, the, the last time, yeah, Beer Ritz, 100 years ago, is that right? Oh, yeah, that's right. King Edward VII uh, asking yeah. Henry, Herbert Henry Asquith to form a government in Beer Ritz in 1908 was the last Very time. Very different ever. circumstances, I imagine. I think he was probably fine. Mind, wasn't he? Just didn't want to, <laughs> didn't want to leave the sunshine. But uh, maybe that was it. What, what do you think? Is there any? Is there any sort of cause for concern here? It's just, it just, I'll say just. I don't think that. it's sort of a cause for concern. I think it is just what it is. She's very old. She can't make yep. the journey. And I mean, do you think Boris is going to do it, or are they going to sack it off? Well, I mean, my parents <laughs> have been unable to visit us for Christmas for a few years now. They are they are ninety two and eighty four now. Do you and go they see do, them? Yes, we yeah. go and see them. Lovely. You know, I think it's a reasonable sort of uh, compromise. Isn't I say it? so. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, not to be fair. They don't have quite the level of staff that the Queen has. <laughs> no. If you should choose to do the journey. Oh, he does. She must have seen not off so many prizes. She must have wondered whether when she invested Boris, whether that would be her last one. But no, she's got another she's one. She's determined because, yeah. that not to be her last one. Yeah. <laughs> Very oh, impressive. Hmm? Thursday's Guardian, and it seems the energy prices are a load of hot air. Yes, yes, right? indeed. So wholesale gas prices tumble as Europe prepares to intervene in energy markets. So the European Commission says it's working flat out on emergency intervention and on longer-term structural reform to deal with the energy crisis. So uh, the wholesale price of gas has actually dropped sharply in a rare spike from recent highs, yeah. uh, on a, which is an indication that Europe is preparing to intervene directly in energy markets. So, um, I mean, I guess it's a good thing. Prices have eased from near-record highs, but still 12 times higher than at the start of 21 before the energy crisis That's began. That's insane. It's insane. It? It's 12 absolute, times higher. It's an order of magnitude higher than it once was. And, um, yeah, a, a Dewey Decimal order of magnitude. Lovely. Even. The, yeah, yeah. The suggestion is that, I, I mean, I've been trying to grasp the, the, the roots of these absurd price hikes, mm-hmm. you know, what everyone's going through, and, and it, a lot of it seems to be the reduction of our capacity to store gas as well. This, yes. is, this seems, I don't know if we're going to come on to this, but um, so the prices, the wholesale prices can go up and down a little bit, but unless we've got somewhere where we can confidently, you know, keep a stash that will get us through winter, we have something like a 5% of the storage capacity that, that countries in mainland Europe have. Have you, have you been, I don't know if you've seen it. If it's yes, yes, no, same. I mean, you're quite right there. So actually the energy group uh, Centrica is working to bring the rough facility, which is located under the North Sea off the Yorkshire coast, back into use to store wow. gas. So there's they found some old there. massive canyon under yeah. the sea. It's like an adventure story. Exactly, That's... yeah. They had to get rid of the skeletons that were there. But yeah, yeah I mean, it's, if it works, it works. We need to do something. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's also worries, uh, there's fears that Russia may further reduce gas supplies uh, in the winter when we mm. most need it. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen if they do that. Maybe people will be able to start buying small gas canisters for their front garden. I don't know, like little yeah. gas tanks or something. Hmm? My yeah. parents are on, I keep bringing them in, I think these are their main two stories this evening, but they're on oil-fired uh, central heating because they live in, in uh, rural isolation. Ah. And uh, you know it's all uh, it's all uh, you know sewage sewage pumps and uh, I, <laughs> I think they're in very good shape. Normally I've I've not envied them. You know having to wait for a delivery and uh, and the, the messy business of filling up the oil tank. But it's going to be it's very much the way to go. I think. Yeah, what you're saying is they have an interest in prolonging this war. Yes, really. I think so. Possibly. Um, I don't know that they have a, a, an influence, but they. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is the more positive spin on the story because it's saying European gas storage facilities are now almost 80% full on average. And I've mm. seen all this stuff about oh we're, we're doing fine in Germany. We're Full up, which yeah. could be its own sort of propaganda. The, the less 
the more negative take on this story was that Russia turned off the Nord Stream 1, again citing maintenance. They seem to have more maintenance issues than TfL. Have you noticed yeah. that? Yeah. It's always routine maintenance. Southern uh, Brighton to London line levels. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it's a continuing war stuff. I, I'm one of these cranks who thinks this is a good time to negotiate. You know, you just found out Putin's not as military, militarily strong as we thought, mm. but these, these uh, gas, the gas monopoly is rather irritating. So, yeah. They don't seem to be interested remotely no. in negotiating, do they? That. There's something slightly odd about the uh, the atmosphere there. Thursday's Telegraph now. Pretty please, can the police investigate proper crimes, Nick? Yeah, Pretty Patel tells woke police to get back to basics. So this is a paper from the policy exchange think tank that she's basing this off, where four in ten voters thought police were more concerned with being woke than solving crime. And, uh, and they're basically saying that police officers have to stop being partisan, taking the knee and so on, because even mm. if they're perceived as being partisan, that is bad enough. And we've all noticed the dancing. We've seen the Harry yeah. Miller arrest, the, the arrest of the veteran for reposting a Lawrence Fox meme. We've seen the sinister college of policing with this strange idea that police now have to declare their uh, relationships with journalists in the same way they would their relationships with criminals. I think it's quite strange. I, and I think we need to, as many people have said, return to Robert Peel's principles. I actually had a quick look at them again. I think uh, number five was, the, was the, really the key one. To seek and preserve public favour, not by pandering to public opinion, but by con con constantly demonstrating absolute impartial service to law. So that's the thing. They're perceived... Was that in Robert Peel's original? Yeah, that was in the original. Wow. And he, he has it all in there. It's, it's all about prevention. It's all about consent. It's all about impartiality. And that's yeah. what we need to return to. That's an extraordinarily articulate statement of... Uh, you're right, a mission statement that they could adhere to with some success today. Or to bring it down a level, we could just have a woke section of the police force that instead of sirens they just have their blue hair and screams yeah, i suppose you could have its own you could have its own department and a town could decide if it wanted to fund that extra department exactly, or something the, like that the thought police you know, i have wondered whether i mean i think i know this was being talked about on the dan wooden show earlier and there was a sort of heated dispute that being the mode in which dan you know likes to conduct the <laughs> conversation but it felt to me like it was a needless division between those who felt that woke policing was the problem and those who felt that the, the reduction in police numbers was the problem clearly both of those issues yes. are, uh, are are very much at, at hand but i I do think they also play into one another in this regard, that the fewer policemen you see, or police women, the more striking it is when the ones that you do see are behaving in an absurdly woke manner. If, if all you ever seem to see is footage from the Notting Hill Carnival or a gay pride event, and there they are, Dancing kind of sambering or whatever, yeah. and you don't then the next morning go out and see a regular one on the beat. Yeah. That's, that remains the image in your head. And, you know and of course, Sir Mark Rowley here, incoming Metropolitan Police Commissioner, has said they'll it'll restore neighbourhood policing, but of course, that's always being said. We, we've yet to see it. And the other thing I'd add, did you see that tweet the other day from Manchester Pride where the police posted that their car had been, their window had been smashed? And the replies to it were just relentlessly, you know, you're idiots, you're woke, you deserve it. And they, just the wow. sheer volume People seem to be so sick yeah. of it. Admittedly, that's so only really Twitter. turned against the police. Yeah, yeah, People exactly. generally be supporting them, perhaps. Exactly, yeah, yeah. they've had enough. Oh, Germany, they, you're not, the, the very term ACAB, you know ACAB, A-C-A-B, all coppers are, blah, 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 uh -huh. is literally, or has at times been illegal, just even to, to write that acronym. Uh -huh. I mean, they have an extraordinarily, uh, I think they, they fear, uh, you know, that it can, it can rise up quite quickly there. <laughs> but there definitely has been a turning on social media. Six months ago, a year ago, certainly, Many people just didn't, they let these things pass. But now I think everyone has found, oh, we're not a minority. I'm, I'm not going to be cancelled for saying this is nonsense, you know, that saying that police should, should not show their uh, loyalty or solidarity to yeah. some fringe movement. And people Even if they are killing it on TikTok, yeah. to be impartial. <laughs>
Thursday's independent next, and over to Russia now. Jonathan? Uh, Gorbachev will be laid to rest at weekend, but no state funeral for former leader, says Russian media. So there'll be no state uh, funeral for the former president of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev, um, a Russian news agency has reported. Um, so he died on Tuesday at the age of 91 after a long illness, but he's not getting the state funeral. Is that because he's not regarded that highly by the people of Russia or the current regime? I would imagine it has something to do with it. Also, he wasn't even living in Russia, was he, if I was I understand it. Uh, he died I'm, in America, didn't he? Oh, did he? Uh, I think no, so. Well, he died at Moscow Hospital. The oh, he had gone back. I don't okay. know if he'd, if he'd sure. um, returned. Attention. I know he'd lived over there for a while. Yeah. I mean, he certainly was of mixed um, reputation, wasn't he, by mm. the end, although quite a few of them are, to be fair. You yeah. know, they, they, well, I mean, Stalin Depends is still, taken the you know. <laughs> yeah. About a 2017 poll found that just 15% of Russians actually held a favourable opinion of yeah. him. Um, Although, as I mentioned the other last night on here, uh, at the point at which Yeltsin resigned, around 2000, I think it was, after about 10 years in power, his popularity approval ratings were at 2%. 2%. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. So they probably think of him time. reasonably fondly for sort of, you know, mo yeah, moving yeah. on from the Soviet Union, mm. whereas Russia see him in a different way for the same reason, that he weakened Russia. Well, it wasn't, yeah. I mean, we see him as, as like, uh, just like taking the, the heat out of the Cold War, if that's not an absurd way to put it. And, and But he never wanted to break up the Soviet Union. He, he always hoped that it could it could transition to a more modern democratic form without, without collapsing the, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he regarded that. We well, did do that pizza well. advert, which some yes. people thought, again, um, people thought, oh, that good, that, from our well, side. Did a he did a pizza advert, yeah, yeah. yeah Whereas yeah. in Russia, this was perceived as terrible. His own grand Although I heard that he did wow. it partly because he needed the money, so it perhaps oh, wasn't the uh, They paid noble... him the pizza as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he didn't. He, in, the, in the advert, he wouldn't eat the pizza. The, the child in the, would eat the pizza. He said, I will not eat the pizza. Right. And he decided which hat he wore himself and all this. But yeah, he did it. People saw it as like, oh, a liberal gesture, but actually he might have just needed the money. But again, while <laughs> we liked that, wins. Yeah, yeah, we liked it. Russia, not keen. But then Southgate did the pizza hut advert, and Russia loved that. <laughs> 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 He's gone into a lovely cemetery anyway, when, when, so I read, yeah, well, yeah, oh, yeah. sorry, Kafka, did you oh. say? <laughs> no, South yeah, Southgate. No, uh, the Gorbachev is, or, or Gorbachev, or something. People have been correcting one another on how to pronounce it all day. But um, anyway, yeah. it's got people like Chekhov and Eisenstein and great artists and poets great. and what have Not you. Not a bad place to be back. So it'd be a nice place to go and visit. Mm. Yeah, a bit, bit like Marx in Highgate or Jim Morrison in Paris, one of those. Don't they charge you to see Marx in Highgate? You have to pay. Oh, yeah, yeah, the same yeah. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. do. Don't, it's a bit sad that the promise of that pizza advert hasn't panned out because now we're back in war with Russia, yeah. partly perhaps because of how it went with Yeltsin when they came out of the Soviet Union, you know, that we didn't, the finances weren't... Did you call it Pizza Gate? <laughs> no, that's... You did a slip of the tongue. I, I may have, but yeah. if I did, that's actually <laughs> that Pizza Gate. <laughs> On to Thursday's Financial Gareth Times Hockey. now. And is Trump actually in trouble here, Nick? Is it... Is it oh, apart well, I've spent Are the so walls much... closing in? <laughs> I've spent so much time researching this, it's literally giving me a headache. And it, this is partly what it's there for, of course, not to give me a headache, but to give mm. Donald Trump a headache. Mm. So probe into Trump's classified documents face obstruction, says DOJ. Although, actually, you know, they started saying that it was, uh, it was about classified info. Then it was a national security thing, and then it was the nuclear codes thing, that, or yeah. the nuclear documents that proved to be not true. Now it's about obstruction. They keep... They're looking for whatever they can. And the main thing is this sensational staged photo from the FBI of all the documents on the floor. And it's very effective for the narrative because it looks like a true crime documentary yeah. and all the libs are going wild on TikTok, oh, not on TikTok, on Twitter. <laughs> I almost said libs of TikTok. And it's, it, you know, that's great for them, but I don't know how bad it really is. It doesn't seem great for Trump at the moment, but really it's just, it, the, the concern for me, of course, is this, Weaponized FBI, you know, is that we, we yeah. they just, they do seem to, the lead, even if it's not the average FBI agent, the leadership seems to be 
far from impartial. We've just seen Timothy Tibbalt had to resign for his role in the Hunter Biden laptop, because right. we know now the FBI, had, you know, it was a bit dodgy, the laptop stuff. Yeah. And, which and to be fair, they were also uh, considered to have been influential in, in, uh, in, the, in the 2016 election. The timing of their investigation into Hillary Clinton was considered. I don't, they seem to be a bit of a political yeah. football back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the problem. I mean, all we want is, a, is an objective is an objective FBI, although I would question if some on the anti-Trump side really even want that. I mean, look, there's, there's a very complicated legal stuff behind it. I'll just give you what Trump said on, on Truth Social, because he's saying they would declassify these documents. So he said, terrible the way the FBI during the raid of Mar-a-Lago threw documents haphazardly all over the floor, perhaps pretending it was me that did it, and then started taking pictures of them for the public to see. Thought they wanted to keep them secret. Lucky I declassified. So it is a bit odd that they, they're parading these photos, yeah. they wanted, these documents they wanted to keep secret. There is a fairly complicated legal argument to do with whether he has the power to declassify them or not. It's a bit too much to go into on this show. But yes, the, the, the left are hailing this as a great win. They're yeah. saying he's basically done yeah. on Twitter, but I'm not, I'm not so sure. Well, they've called it many times before. There also seems to be some interesting subplot to do with uh, intelligence he has on Macron's sex life. Is that, is that tied into these documents? I, I'm trying, trying to That's something this. I'd like to hear about. Well, you know, yeah. Some people think these documents are about yeah. getting information about the Russia hoax and other things that were yes, causing yes. him trouble. Yeah, I did hear one about... <laughs> did, did they actually name Macron? They said a member Macron of... Macron has definitely been named, but yeah. what the, okay. what the, or at least Trump has definitely named him. I don't think the FBI <laughs> has, but um, apparently he was also boasting that what things he knew about Trudeau's mother. And welcome back. The headliners with me, Simon Evans, Jonathan Hulk Kogan. I'm sure that should be Hulk Kogan. And Nick the Big Dog Dixon. There you are. They've created some nicknames for you both. Thursday's Times. And is America destined for decline, Nick? Yeah, US life expectancy falls for second year. So, uh, and it's down by almost three years since the start of the pandemic due to COVID, mm. i.e. lockdowns, drug abuse. Well, COVID and lockdowns, isn't it? Record suicides and stubborn levels of chronic disease. So in 2019, the right. average US life expectancy was more than 79 years. In 2020, it dropped to 77 years. And uh, That's and not good, is it? That's no. actually, I think that's lower than Britain as well, which is surprising. Uh, well, I think people are, generally speaking, thought... It, I thought America had in a better standard of living. Well. Yeah, Native Americans declined by more than six and a half years since the pandemic started to 65 years, full decade lower than the national average. Over the same period, Asian Americans decreased by two years, but also white people had the second largest fall among racial and ethnic groups. That means they're not counting one of the previous as one of those, mm. with life expectancy dropping a year to about 76 years, and then black Americans had the third largest decline. So, yeah. not great. Although it said, the report also said that life expectancy for women in the US declined by about 10 months. So, not all bad. I'm sorry. I, I thought, can you really say that? But it's Asian oh, Americans. So you say me. Asian Americans dropped by two years, but they're still the oldest lived by some distance. They're 83. They don't really need the extra time, is what you're trying to say. No, well, it's, it's good to see it in perspective, haven't you? I am genuinely quite shocked by the Native Americans. So six and a half years. Mm. Yeah, that's terrible. That's that suggests right. something. I don't know. Is it? Are they? Are they prone to the pandemic or something? Or is it something else within that time? Well, there was talk, wasn't there, of lower vaccine uptake? I mean, it depends if you like the uh, vaccine. Right. But there's lower vaccine seen uptake. There's a great share of the population in lower paying jobs. That yeah. requires people to work more during the COVID peak. There's some of the things they're citing here anyway. Oh, very sad. Very sad. Well, it's never a good sign when a country starts, you know, when mm. people turn that particular corner, is it? I hope I they can pick that up again. Do you want to say anything about that, Jonathan? Um, I just think, you know, I just want everyone to be well and, you know, live well, forever. Happy. That's yeah. what I want. Yeah. That's what we Absolutely. believe in GB News. Well, there's a possibility that this next story might be able to help us on that one. Thursday's Guardian, perhaps the 
adage, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, doesn't apply here, though. <laughs> yeah, or sugar or something else. So, NHS patients struggling with superbugs to be offered poo transplants. Can I say poo on television? Is that OK? You've, you've been allowed to say poo, but um, obviously don't relish it too no. much. I think that's the key. <laughs> you can counter up. Um, and don't do it. No, there's yeah. a revolution... <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Uh, we save that for the Piers Morgan show. It's a revolutionary treatment for C. diff infections that transfers gut bacteria from healthy feces, given mm. the green light by NICE, uh, which is the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence. They're the I people who basically uh, decide where the money goes, aren't they? I think I believe yeah. so, yeah. Um, so basically, hundreds of patients struggling to order superbugs to be treated with poo transplants on the NHS uh, using gut bacteria taken from healthy donors' feces. So it looks like they take a particular um, bacteria from a yeah. donor and they, uh, they insert it into a patient. There's one of two ways of doing it. It can be uh, done a tube uh, inserted directly into the stomach through the nose or alternatively... Through the um, nose? Through the nose. That's the last thing I'd want to go in my nose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Or there's a... Into the stomach. Into the stomach. Yeah, not into the gut then, because that's got quite a long way to go before it gets to the gut. Um, the stomach, isn't it? Yeah. The I gut's mean, the sort of curling entrails in the... And then it'll go through the... Yeah. The large and the small... Wow, oh, I think I'd want it going in the other end. Would or you can well, do, you can do it via option. a pill. I think I'd go with the pill. Yeah, that's the <laughs> tough pill <laughs> to follow, right? <laughs> you can have a pill, or we, we're going to put this thing in your nose. Yeah. If you're like, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Well, the, well, the pills are I mean, I suppose it's well. not. It's been... The, the bacteria's been extracted from... The, they call it poo transplant, but in fact it's just... It's just it's a, a teaspoon tiny, of... Uh, yeah, yeah. One yeah. hopes. <laughs> I suppose you don't need to carry a donor card in case of accidents for this. This is like... <laughs> so you just sort of pop in and... Yeah. Probably sit there next, next side by side, I don't know. I, I, go on. Oh, well, um, You're the expert on this one. Well, I am. Well, I was going to say that the... Uh, well, it's a big uh, money saver for the NHS, apparently, compared to the antibiotic treatment. Yeah. Um, we save the NHS £769 if using a colonoscopy and as much as £8,000 if you do it by the oral capsule. So, right. like you say, no-brainer. Yeah. Eat the capsule yeah. full of the... Save the um, NHS, eat the poo, save <laughs> the NHS, stay home, eat the poo. I knew the it. <laughs> eat insects, eat poo, save the NHS. Yeah. They told me it'd be like that. Yeah, on a, on a sort of serious note, it is... The gut flora can get so easily destroyed. Mm. And things like antibiotics, of course, yeah, yeah. Do destroy it as well. Obviously, means anti-life. So it, 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 and it's very hard to get it back. And so anyone who's had stomach problems, I think we should consider this, not just people who've had seeds. No, yeah. I know that they, they market certain things as restoring gut health, but it's actually very difficult, isn't it, to eat enough yoghurt or whatever it is. They say mm. the kimchi, I think, the uh, fermented, fermented foods. Because uh, they've got to survive yeah. and thrive, and most probiotics die before they yeah. do that. Yeah. Well, also, I just wouldn't want to know who's... Um, Who's I'd be eating? I, I, I couldn't look him in the eye after that. No, that's <laughs> fair enough. Well, you'd probably put a close family member. <laughs> yeah. Thursday's Telegraph now. Are Australia going to save humanity, Nick? Probably. I mean, this is new centre tasks with finding disease X antiviral. So, mm -hmm. Research Institute hopes to mimic the success of COVID vaccines, their words, not mine, to better <laughs> prepare for the next pandemic. So, this is the uh, coming global centre for pandemic therapeutics. If you wondered what Dominic Cummings was up to, yeah, uh, I did wonder that, but it's Jeffrey <laughs> Cummings, isn't it? But yes, it's, it's unfortunate that. That's it's actually, it's yes, it's the Canadian uh, businessman. Oh, I think he's a businessman. Jeffrey Cummings, and he's donated a uh, 250 million Australian dollars, which is about 15 yeah. quid. Um, it's not, you know, they're it's nearly on parity now. Yeah. Well, it's 240 I mean, I million. I don't pounds. remember when you could make that joke. I was going to say that, Simon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's yeah, and and it, the, the idea is they'll be working on the new pandemic, not knowing what it is, and they'll be focusing rather on specific pathogens. They're focusing on the drug platform, aiming to develop technology that can be rapidly adapted. That's the idea, and they're all saying we're definitely yeah. going. Like Bill Gates, they're saying it's a it's a question of when, not if. And, and he also knows the exact date because he's going. 
Gallagher calls it. He knows allegedly. Yeah. yeah. Allegedly. And he's told his Aussie mates, and they're all getting in on the game. Yeah. <laughs> Just satire. There, it makes guys. me worry when they say next time round we must do better. They they know something. What's what's happening? Yeah. Yes. Well, Bill Gates always called it pandemic one. I'm like, yeah. oh, you've, <laughs> you've numbered them already, yeah. Bill. A bit like when people used to refer to my present wife. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. On to Thursday's Times now. Perhaps the adage a puppy isn't just for Christmas doesn't apply anymore either. Yeah. This is sad stuff here. So pets abandoned by their owners as the kitty runs dry. So animal charities have been swamped with abandoned pets um, because the cost of living crisis, coupled with a surge in ownership during the pandemic, mm. has led to the worst emergency in its history. So there's been a 25% increase in abandoned pets this year. Um, the RSPCA centres are being completely overwhelmed. Um, there's reports from the people working there that they're struggling to feed and care for the animals. It just sounds, yeah. it sounds pretty sad. You know, people have got a pet, they've got a new dog in, in their time of crisis, now they're giving it away because they can't afford to... Can't look afford to look at Well, yeah. also, I mean, I remember we already had a dog and we still have that dog and yeah. we love our dog very much, but they are a handful, they are a responsibility. We have a golden retriever, it needs a good hour long oh, walk every day. Oh, that's the best day. kind of dog. They're a really good dog. I absolutely solidly recommend them if you want a dog, but they are, you know, they Dogs. are a big uh, responsibility. Now, when all four of us were home, in, you know, for the whole of the lockdown, that was dog paradise, you yeah. know, and you could see the dog thinking, this is amazing, why can't it always be like this? But, you know, you get back to normal and suddenly, uh, you know, a couple of days go by when you realise the dog hasn't been properly walked or whatever. I've been up in London. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. People don't think about these things. And the reality is with this story, I'm, I'm afraid, this is not like a kind of, this isn't like the kind of natural pool of, of, it's a bit like the unemployed, you know what I mean? You need a certain number of people to be unemployed so that there is uptake of jobs when they become available. But like you need a certain number of rescue dogs because some people will always want rescue That's dogs. True. But if there's a downward trend of the number of families who want dogs, yeah, I actually watched your show about that dog. It was a very funny show, but yeah. you had a whole hour show about it suggesting it wasn't all roses. No, no, that was the previous <laughs> dog. That was the Fizzler. Oh, oh really? That okay. Fizzler was a long-time fan. And I strongly recommend anyone think twice, three times, four times. That Fizzler now lives with my mother-in-law. It's a whole oh, other that's story. that's how badly that went. Yes, okay. Yes, and we reverted to the standard model, which is the retreat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, it's much like your intro. I was going to say a puffy, a puffy, a puffy's for life, not just for lockdown. That's really the, the, the yeah. message here. Yeah. People have got them during lockdowns and had to abandon them. It's a very, very sad story. Well, but it's another cost of lockdown that no one talks about. Very true. But there it, is, is a... it is kind of sad, but actually, in a way, I'm going to say something now that might well get me cancelled more than okay. any of my other, but in a way, it's not necessarily that sad. If you've had a dog for two or three years, it's, it's, it's bound the, the, the family together, but now you're saying goodbye to it because you've got no time for mm. it. But, but yeah. there were 20... That's what my parents there, said to me. Yeah. Hang, on, hang, on, hang on, Simon. There were 20 puppies found in a box in a lay-by in Essex. Now, that's sad, but that's just Essex, isn't it? You can't, you can't <laughs> that was extrapolate ago. from that. No, that is very sad. And I know some people chuck them out of vans and things. Oh, you know, no. Absolutely no, no, um, no excuse for being beastly to them. But uh, it may be a demographic shift that we just have to take a deep breath and embrace. Thursday's independent. It seems there is going to be a different kind of gas problem... This winter for a lot of families, Nick. Oh, clever, yeah. Britain's going vegetarian to save money as cost of living crisis bites. And bites might be another pun there, but this is just propaganda from the independent about being a vegetarian. So the Vegetarian Society, funnily enough, the chief executive of this society is pro-vegetarian. 
and has said, uh, what, what I would say to people is that this doesn't have to feel like a sacrifice. There's a food adventure waiting out there for you. Yeah. And there's so much to explore. There's flavoursome and tasty and healthy. You will eat the veg and you will be happy, yeah, basically. Yeah, 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 they're warming you up for the cricket. Adventure. Yeah, you will eat. So, yeah, yeah, you know, we moved on from the crickets. It's now the veg, not allowed meat. And they're saying it's cheaper. But I say just eat steak, but eat less. You know what I mean? Just be like a lion. That's what I'm going to do. Eat a yeah. big steak every two days. One steak every couple of days, absolutely. You'll mm. be in tremendously good shape. Exactly. Are you vegetarian, John? Uh, no, I'm not. I was just thinking we could couple this up with the dog problem and then we've got... Uh, ah, that's yeah, a brilliant a idea. Swift, lots of Swiftian. protein. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the... we bring in lots of recipes we know from where. <laughs> it's well. not allowed to say that. But uh, I do think it's a mistake, possibly, to think that um, just spending all your money on, on leafy veg and so on is a better source of... There's no calories in that stuff. It will not... You will not survive. You will... You know, you'll feel briefly full while your stomach is literally packed with fibre, but it's... it's and you'll yeah. wither to a yeah. crisp. It's no yeah. way to get through winter. You need fat. There's always those people that say vegetables are poison as well. I like those. Have you seen those people on the internet? Well, yeah. I don't go quite that far. I'm very seed pro oils, Seed oils, maybe. I oh, think seed oils, seed oils might genuinely be bad for you. Welcome back to Headliners. I'm still Simon Evans. They are still Jonathan Cogan and... Nice, you call Lick Dixon? No. Why do I have to check the auto key to see what my name was? Let's crack on. We have a story now on which Nick is going to be torn. Thursday's Telegraph. Let's talk about that national beacon of morality, David Beckham. Yeah, so David Beckham has been slammed over a new promotional video that is only good for Qatar, not human rights. Mm -hmm. So Amnesty International uh, attacks the ex-England captain for yet again failing to acknowledge abuses by appearing in a tourism video. I feel like if he would have acknowledged those abuses, that would have made for a bad tourism video. I but, can't help agree with you. Uh, I mean, they, 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 it's, it's a little bit disingenuous, isn't it? <laughs> Saying what he, he should have taken the money, done the video, but then gone, by the way, they've used loads of slave labour here. Put that in the edit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> little caveat. That might be in his contract that he can't do that. But yeah, so he's, he's been urged to use his profile and his, uh, you know, uh, his just huge following worldwide to raise awareness around the uh, terrible worker standards that have been taking place in Qatar. But so, you have to wonder, mm -hmm. did Amnesty International offer him 15 million quid, which is apparently what Qatar have paid him? And if not, you know, are they, is it any surprise? They've got to match that. And yeah. then they'll be like, OK, it's this like, is bad. It's like Gary Lineker, you know. It's, you know, if you want Gary Lineker to host your football programmes, you've got to pay the big bucks. That's fair enough. The, the, you know, capitalism always wins. But yeah. I hadn't watched that video before. It looks like a kind of futuristic world where David Beckham is ruler. Do you know what I mean? Like a kind of yeah. utopia where it's just, just David Beckham. Uh, so um, Beckham Wakanda. Yeah, exactly. The only reason I was torn is because, of course, I love Beckham being a Man United fan. He's class of 92, the golden era of United. But... He's not the moral leader we thought, it seems. I mean, the, the thing is, just don't, hold, just don't hold the tournament in Qatar. That's the thing, isn't it? Because thousands of basically slaves have died making the stadiums. That's pretty much what they are. Yeah. It shouldn't be held there. Look at those spices, though, Nick. Come yes, on. the spice market. Mm, there is that, of course. Look at the beautiful... Such a middle-class argument. ...donkeys wear. I don't yeah. know. It's a tricky. It's not a tricky one. It's it's no. Of it shouldn't course, be it's there. A sham. It shouldn't be there. And Beckham shouldn't be taking that money. But uh, I think I think I'm not quite. I don't quite with the word. It's not hypocrisy of Amnesty International, but they're basically obviously piggybacking on the video to raise awareness. So it's kind of it's it's the ecosystem of the whole thing. Isn't in a way, it? Beckham's helping them. Is yeah. what you're saying. Well, in a way, <laughs> yeah. because if Beckham had just like released his own video, going, I won't be going to Qatar because <laughs> I think it's rubbish what they've done over there, and I think it should have been. In West Ham. If he was to do that, it wouldn't get anything like the kind of traction that the big 
properly produced video of Qatar has done, to which the Amnesty International can then attach like a limpet mine with yeah. their own agenda. It's we a, get, we discuss. I think it sounds a bit like sophistry, but it's very clever what you're saying. <laughs> uh, yeah. Trust the ecosystem. Back with Thursday's Independent and Nick. Leo DiCaprio, has he cracked the code to dating? It, it does seem that way. It, the, the headlines, is Leonardo DiCaprio afraid of women over the age of 25? <laughs> it's not clear whether he's afraid of them, but... He does want to mask it in his movies, if he if he's... Yeah, I did, I did. So about the last eight girls he's been out with, they've all... He's got rid of them all before the age of 25. Four of them were 25. I did some checking here. But, you know, the rest were all under 25. So That's he, a brilliant graph. We've and there's a graph of it now, yeah. Ah, ah, he, his age keeps going up. But there's, some of those relationships have lasted five years. That's not bad. But, look but he always gets it? out in time. And that's yeah. the thing. I mean, I sometimes wonder, when they hit 25, do they wake up on their birthday? He's just gone. You know, the apartment's gutted. Well, <laughs> the locks have changed. I don't know how it works. He, exactly. he calls them Christmas cakes because he doesn't want them after the 25th. Nice. So. Oh, that's I, pretty good. Did you see the tweet as well? Titanic turns 25 this year, at which point I assume Leonardo DiCaprio will no longer want to be in it. That was another good one. It's, it's interesting that, that he... That is a good gag. It's also another... Interesting that he gets out just as they develop a prefrontal cortex, you know, yes. <laughs> at age 25, the, the age of rationality. You've so. got to ask also, though, to be fair, what is it these young women seeing in the increasingly old Leonardo DiCaprio? Well... Oh, he's a movie such... star. Yeah. He's glorious. He's, yeah. he's the movie star, isn't he? This does yeah. prove, depressingly for some, perhaps, that if a man given ultimate choice and freedom, this is how he'll behave. Behave, you know what yeah. I mean? Because he's in the ultimate position of choice. And actually, what's interesting is if you follow certain videos on YouTube, the red pill community, they will say, well, this is just when men prefer women because of fertility and, and evolutionary psychology, you know, in their early 20s. All right, Andrew Tate. Well, I've just had to put the argument, whereas the Independent, of course, it says here that it's socially conditioned sexual preferences, and they say oh. that the power dynamic is clear as day. A younger, more insecure, and less financially established woman is likely to bend to your will. So in the Independent world, it's all power dynamic. That was definitely written by somebody so, I know some of his... Uh, he went out with <laughs> Giselle Bunchen or something, didn't yes. he, for a while. She's extraordinarily powerful, very, very beautiful, world-famous yes. model. You Broke know. up at 23. Yeah, she didn't even make it to 35. <laughs> what did she do wrong? But I think Didn't there is, just to be, uh, <laughs> is this devil's advocate? I think I do believe this. I think it's more morally acceptable and probably more modern for him to do this openly than to have a so-called marriage and then have a string of mistresses and prostitutes around the back, which would surely have been the attitude of previous movie stars whose marriages, you That's know... That's true, he just shouldn't break know. up with them via ejector seat. That's no, that is... <laughs> but you're praising his honesty. Yeah, but of course, and of course he's in a position where he can just do it. Yeah. Other people would be criticised harshly by the community. Yeah. Yeah. He, he can do it because he's Leo. But we're well, TV stars, we can do it. Yeah, not, we're not quite on this level, but we are doing well, better. How many, how many of these women at 25 emerged from the relationship with Leonardo DiCaprio and are treated as soiled goods on, on, the, uh, you know, on Tinder or whatever it is in Hollywood? How they, I, very, I very much doubt it has done any harm to their prospects for the next Oh, you generation. think it's a bit like the David Beckham video? It even helps them. Yeah, I think it probably it. does, yeah. Certainly if they've lasted a couple of years. And also, very reasonably, he's kind of going... You don't want children yet, but if I was to keep going out with you until you were 28, ah, then you would ah. only have two years to find the next bloke and he might not be the right one, and then, and then he splits. Do you know what ah, I mean? It's like, I see what you're saying. Right. I think it's quite reasonable. So he wants women to sort of be of fertile age, but definitely not have actual children <laughs> with him <laughs> exactly. anywhere near. <laughs> I bet he holds on to his dogs. Anyway, Thursday's Telegraph now. Do you think the new series of University Challenge will be a ratings hit, Jonathan? Um, I'm not convinced it will be. So there's a new University Challenge question setter uh, who wrote a play about microaggressions. Oh, uh, to be honest, I saw much worse in Edinburgh. But um, there's a guy called <laughs> Dan Tacky, who's Tacky, who was president of Durham's People of Colour Association. Right. He's been hired to improve the diversity of the quiz show. 
Um, of the questions on the quiz show. I, 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 well, it just says a quiz show, but I imagine so, yeah. So I yeah. think he, he wants questions that are yeah, more diverse um, than what was previously on. I think perhaps with the University Challenge, it's been generally questions to do with, you know, like classics and classical music. Emmanuel Kant, that's yes, always a good exactly, bet. Yeah, exactly, yeah. He, uh, we have a joke and, uh, in my house, you know, we were watching it and, and Jeremy Patsman would go, oggle, boggle, woggle, woggle, what a Buzz, Aristotle, correct. You <laughs> yeah. Know. Hardly any of the, the diversity is is of secondary importance because most of the time you can't work out what it, right. you know, where it was going at all. I can usually get the literature questions and I right. feel it's like some sort of king yes. and then it comes to any other subject that I flounder immediately. Yeah. The ones I really hate, I don't, I've, I have noticed, I'll be honest with you, I have noticed more questions to which the answers are either women scientists or uh, African uh, leaders or, or whatever, you know, and I, I welcome that. But the, the only ones theory. I really reject are all the quantum mechanics. They, there is nobody sitting at home who has any chance with any of that stuff. And I think it would be a, I think it would be a good step if they widened it a little bit and gave people a little bit of a, a little bit of purchase on it. So you could have a diversity of difficulty of questions. Exactly. I, I'm That's into what it. I'm saying. And yeah, they're also going to change the name to uh, Liberal Arts University Challenge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Polly Tumble. <laughs> uh, similar story now from Thursday's Guardian. You'll be renewing your Victoria and Albert Museum membership, Nick. I'm well, I will, this. but we have to translate this because this story is written in Guardian, so we have yeah. to translate it. So, government appoints anti-woke activist as VNA trustee. That means normal person. So, right-wing commentator Zuditu Gabriel Harness, which may well be how you pronounce it, is director of a group waging a politicised campaign against the National Trust. Isn't it hilarious? <laughs> like, if they'd written the previous story, that would have been like a bit of right-wing newspaper had written that. It would have been like politicised appointment at university challenge, yeah. you know, launches culture war, and this yes. would be just normal, you know. Well, exactly. The, the, the Guardian claims, in a move likely to inflame accusations that the government is waging a culture war. So always a, uh, that's used by the left. Basically means the yeah. government is at the last minute staging a desperate... Returning fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a tiny bit of fire with like a bow and arrow against a series of tanks and Resisting nukes. Resisting being shoved into a ditch yeah. by woke juggernaut. Yeah. Exactly. But she works for the um, right-leaning policy exchange think tank and basically wants to bring it back to doing what it's supposed to do. Back to its core purpose of looking after our heritage and countryside. That's a good idea, isn't That's it? That's the National Trust, but this is VNA as well now, right? The, the Victorian oh. Museum. So she's spoken previously oh, about yeah. the National Trust, and I utterly agree with her there. It was a terrible... I mean, I think, I think it might have been a sudden inflammation of wokeness. I don't think it's a long-term problem, because basically they've got to work with what they've got, haven't they, the National Trust? You know, they've got big houses and nice gardens. You know, there's a limit to how much they can bring slavery into it. <laughs> Yeah. at the end of the day. But the VNA, of course, is an actual, um, it's a moving exhibition. And so they can probably, they could absolutely, you know, run our, you know, our heads under the tap for a, for a quite indefinite period, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And you're quite, I mean, you're quite right to catch me out on that. And I don't, I don't, you can tell I don't really go to museums. <laughs> I should, but I, they're, they're boring is the problem. No, VNA is great. Is it? Yeah. VNA is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's, yeah, awesome. it's wonderful. Okay. It's, it's, sort, it's got a lot shamed. of stuff like, um, I don't know, what would you call it? Like, it's not consumer, it's like commercial art, quite a lot of it, like um, like fashion and that yes, sort of yeah. thing over the years, which is actually quite good. I know what you're thinking. Well, but I hate to invoke the old <laughs> peep show thing, but is it as good as Heat with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino? You, know, well, you, you could watch that again. You could see the suits they wore, and that would give you a sense <laughs> okay. of how tiny the actors are as well. Plus, it has the, one of the best ponds, doesn't it, in, in central London, the, the central pond in the courtyard with the fountains and children. It's got a nice big uh, Chihuly sculpture in the ceiling, which I hit with a cork once when I was working as a waiter. Fantastic. So, yeah. It is a good place. And the shop at Christmas time is the Definitely the best place to buy Christmas. Well, it will be a good you can place only now. One, but it will absolutely <laughs> yeah. light, light up the room. 
On to Thursday's Mail now, and do Christians make amazing lovers? Who better to answer than Nick Dixon? Yep. <laughs> Piety leads to passion. People with strong religious beliefs have higher levels of sexual satisfaction despite having less sex studies shows. Who knew tradition works, basically? That's basically the story, because it says, as religious individuals, this is the University of Exeter, as religious individuals are less likely to engage in casual sex and more likely to limit sexual activity to a relationship based on love, who knew this can lead to lower expectations of sexual activity outside a formal union, as well as increased satisfaction from sex life in general? Yeah. So it's one of these silly articles where we discover, oh, Christians, oh, tradition worked. Why did we destroy our culture? And as a little dessert here, religious people are more likely to use words like happy family and love on Facebook, where Whereas atheists uh, use angry words and are more likely to talk about their body and death, researchers found. <laughs> so there you go. Christians are happier and better in every Atheism, way. Atheism, it turns out, is a kind of death cult. I think that makes some sort of sense, doesn't it? I will say just about sex. I don't know whether it's religion so much as I, I do think sort of just treating it as something a little bit special probably mm. enhances the appreciation of it when it does happen, but maybe that's just my, you know, my sort of rose-tinted spectacle. Yeah, I, I think we should, I, I envy that Ben Shapiro kind of lifestyle. You meet one person yeah. and that you're just with that person forever. And I know some Christians who do that, and I always think, I envy them so much. It hasn't worked out for me, but it looks... I, I, I approve of it. Nick, self-love. That's, yeah. that's the truth. That's every night. Uh, yeah. no, I, uh, no, I kind of envy the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio approach. <laughs> yeah. It would be very interesting to see what his response would be to that kind of... Uh, right, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, denies it University of Exeter. or not, you know. Hmm? Um, I do think... Is this indecent to say? The best sex <laughs> I've ever had was when we were trying for children. Is that, is that a weird thing to say? <laughs> there is nothing that... I'm not bothered. Sex, Your wife might be. sex more than that. It, the enough. actual introducing the intent that we were actually using it for what it was intended for right. elevated it to a higher... You're confirming this events. study. Yeah, I think so. On to The Guardian once more, and personality test, something I believe you have been undertaking lately, Nick. Oh, yeah, I'm very into the, uh, the personality test. I'm kind of obsessed with them. We were doing one earlier, and uh, we, we've learned a lot about... I mean, I'm basically a nice guy who's a bit neurotic. Lewis Schaefer, we don't even want to talk about. <laughs> but, the, yes, yeah, so the headline is, Four Minutes of Small Talk Can Reveal Key Personality Traits. Study says, no kidding. I mean, yeah. you know, you talk to woke comedians, you're like, yeah, I think I've got it. Um, <laughs> but it's, the it's, um, <laughs> So it, it's saying that four minutes of chat can reveal things like whether we're extroverted or introverted. Of course, if you're introverted, you wouldn't even be in the chat, or it lasts about a minute. Yeah. And uh, this is from University of Warwick, and they've, they've got, like, 338 people. They divided into groups where... One lot texted and had contact, one didn't, and the ones that had contact could gauge a little bit what their personality was going to be, but they also projected their own personality onto them. Mm. But they could also make more money in this game where they had to have a sort of shared kitty and things like this. So if they work better, they work better together. Get to know people, talk to people, and you'll, you'll do better in life, is the claim. Well, that's a microcosm of community, isn't it? You're much more likely to help a neighbour if you know them, and you know, that yeah. you're much more... Reciprocation. Like... Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. So uh, is that something we're losing? I'm not sure. I actually did... One of those online personality tests, but it came back negative. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, Never mind, you can build it up, I think, with vitamins. Over time. You know, some exercises. I hope you can lower in your otters. One of the interesting time. things I find between them, um, I, I, I never saw it, I didn't know this for years in print, I understood roughly what the difference between introvert and extrovert was, but I saw it, uh, one, one like, key, key, dif key difference is that an introvert is unhappy about speaking until they know what, what it is they want to say. Whereas an extrovert doesn't quite know what it is they want to say until they hear themselves say it. Mm. Like, and, mm. uh, and, and I think when you meet people for the first time, that difference is quite significant in how it feels small talk with them. Even if, they're, even if it's just trivial and, you know, the weather or whatever, 
you can tell whether people have, have got a formulation in their head before they speak or whether they are. Right, how reserved they are. I didn't even engage in small talk till about 2007. So, yeah, I'm definitely on the introvert side. I always thought it was the one, the, if you heard the definition, I'm sure you have, about where you gain energy. Introverts restore yes. their battery yes. on their own. Extroverts get it amongst pe other people by Absolutely draining it from right. others. Yeah, my <laughs> wife is uh, she's very successful at parties. She's very good socially, but she is introvert. Ultimately, she comes home from parties exhausted, whereas I am like, that was great, you know, fantastic. I've been offended at the but I <laughs> Thursday's Telegraph now, and are you going to be trying this new simulator? To I definitely want to try this. So yeah. men have been left hollering in pain after trying period simulators, wow. one of the least popular VR games on the metaverse. So <laughs> uh, men in the Indian state of Kerala were left shouting in pain after experiencing period pain as part of an experiment to normalize menstrual discussion within the country. Um, so the hashtag Feel the Pain movement has seen period simulators brought to malls and colleges in the district of um, uh, Nakulam to give men the chance to experience menstrual cramps. Uh, wow. And weirdly, another side effect of this was that men were unable to choose which restaurant they wanted to eat in afterwards for some, some <laughs> reason. But yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently, though, women had no reaction to this. They were, they tried, they were set up to the machine and they didn't actually they have didn't a... They didn't feel the pain. No, no. Or either they were just acclimatised to it so after years of having it, or... Yeah. Yeah, it just... It I don't quite see how else. they can simulate it, because the, the pain, muscles, though, pain right? is the contraction of the uterus, I think, right. isn't it? Okay. It's like a sort of... You're asking the wrong guy. Like contractions, yeah. I think. Well, they only simulated 10% of the actual pain, apparently, but, but yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, if they were hollering at 10%. They're loving this, because it's a chance to get back at men, isn't it? We've got, we know women have a higher pain threshold from childbirth. It's built into them. God yeah. put it there. So this is just an attack on men. But actually, wasn't it a, an oh, Indian... That's right. It was a punishment wasn't it? Punishment weave, yeah. Well, I wouldn't didn't like to use that word. <laughs> but of course, we have lower pain threshold. It's just how it is. Can I tell you my story? I, about 10 years ago, this was for, no, 20 years ago, probably, for Woman's Hour on Radio 4, I agreed to go and have my back waxed to see what it was like. There was, these were becoming popular, the, the back. Did it feel good? I think it was called the back. We uh, went for a radio yeah, feature. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember what the two, other two were. But anyway, my, I did howl. It was, it was, was it absolutely horrendous? excruciating. I mean, they take off like a whole strip across your back, but mm. still, I can't imagine it's any less painful in the traditional female mode. So maybe it's true. I don't know. Right. Would, you, would you experience it just once to know what they're going through? Uh, no, I don't need to do that. I don't think I'm, I'm OK. <laughs> Not like we'll give you empathy. You don't want that. It all this time. We finished very quickly with Thursday's Metro. Try not to let this one make you too paranoid. Nick, you've got 10 seconds. Oh, it's how to deal with outcasting anxiety, the f fear that friends may hate you. And uh, yeah, it, this is for people who think that everyone secretly dislikes them. And the idea is uh, just have a nice think about it, use CBT and enjoy your own company. I was doing the latter anyway. So. Yeah, don't make a list of everyone who hates you and then pin it to your bedroom wall. It doesn't uh, work. Again. Thank you to my guests, Jonathan Cogan and Nick Dixon. Headliners will be back tomorrow at 11 with Steve N. Allen, Kerry Marks and Sajula Kershi. I've been Simon Evans. It's been a pleasure being back with you. Thanks very much for watching. Good night. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.